Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. All right, here we go. What you think about. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. If you enjoyed the opening music, it's called Clarion Call by our friends with the Mark Arneson Band featuring Maya Dora, and you can download that on any of your favorite music platforms if you like. For those of you that are new to Alzheimer's Speaks, we are a show that was created because my mom lived with dementia for 30 years. And as a frustrated daughter, I wanted to connect people to services, products, and tools, and trials like we're going to be talking about today. I think it's really important that we raise everyone's voice. So our show is really about sound news and information, not just sound bites. We want to have real conversations with real people who are dealing um, with Alzheimer's disease and all the other various types of dementias as well. Today is a live show, so you can call in. That number is 323-870-4602. That is 323-870-4602. But before I introduce our guest today, I always like to give a shout out to a few organizations. And um, I have to just talk about Dementia Map, our our global resource directory that we launched. We are having so much fun seeing more and more resources being added to that all the time and the comments that we are getting um, from families who are utilizing this as well as professionals finding out about things they didn't know about. So I urge you to go to DementiaMap.com and um, just check it out. You'll find not only resources, but there's an events calendar, there's a glossary and a blog, and so much more. And if you are a provider of a service product or tool or or a source of information, um, you can also take a tour. I'd be more than glad to give you a tour of the site because uh, to show how it can really help your particular um, business um, or information source there. Um, need to also yell out uh, to the Memory Cafe directory. Uh, some of the Memory Cafes are now meeting in person, and Dave has done such a wonderful job coordinating five different countries. So check out Memory Cafe directory, and you'll be able to find out who is meeting, um, who is not, are they virtual, or are they in person. And then Coral Health, of course, is still allowing people to download Two of their apps, Music First and Coral Faith, for free. So check out CoralHealth.com. That's C-O-R-O Health.com. We're going to hear from the Foot Bar Walker, and then we are going to come back and learn about some non-invasive clinical uh, trials for Alzheimer's disease. 
Introducing the life-changing Foot Bar Walker. I'm Peggy from Danville, Kentucky, and I'm 91 years old. The Foot Bar Walker revolutionized my care of George. The saving that I made from having to put him in a nursing home came to about $192,000. The Foot Bar Walker opens and closes just like a standard walker. The only thing that is different is the top bar and the foot bar. Does that ever make a difference? Does someone you love use a walker? Do they struggle to get up from a seated position? Are you a caregiver dealing with physical pain and stress as you help your patient? The Foot Bar Walker was designed to assist not only the patient, but also the caregiver. Patients have more control standing up, and no lifting from the caregiver is required. See how it works at thefootbarwalker.com. That's thefootbarwalker.com. Peggy, would you recommend the Foot Bar Walker? Do I ever? I would not be in the health that I'm in today at this age had it not been for the Footbar Walker. Well, we are back again, and I'm so excited to have this conversation. It's always fun to learn about uh, trials that are out there. It's so hard to kind of pick through and find what what you know applies to you. And so we are so lucky uh, to have our guest with us today. We are um, going to introduce first Lean Quanz. And uh, Lean, uh, welcome to the show. I, uh, I appreciate you um, <clears throat> joining us here today. Uh, Lean is the president and chief executive author, officer of Athera Pharma, a late clinical stage uh, biopharmaceutical uh, company focused on developing small molecules to restore um, neural health and um, neurodegeneration. So welcome. How are you doing today? Great. Uh, thank you for having uh, me, Laurie, uh, and excited for our conversation today. Wonderful. I'm going to go ahead and um, also introduce our, our other guest today. We have Dr. Anton Thorstensen with us, and he is a professor of uh, psychiatry, uh, neurology, neuroscience, and medicine at the University of Rochester School of Medicine and Dentistry in Rochester, New York. He is also the director of the University of Rochester's Alzheimer's Disease Care Research and Education Program, known as the AD-CARE Program. So welcome to you. How are you doing, uh, Dr. Thorstensen? Hi, Lori. I'm uh, doing great. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm, I'm excited to have you both with us today, and I'm going to actually start by um, talking with, <clears throat> with Lean, if that's okay. Um, and I always ask each of my guests the same question uh, before we kind of dive into your specific topic here, and that is, have you been touched personally by dementia in your own circle of um, family or friends, Lean? Let's see. We got to get her. <clears throat> We're having trouble with the audio. Okay, Lean. Let's try it again. Um, yes. So um, I haven't met to date anyone who has not been impacted uh, directly or indirectly by dementia and, and and the Alzheimer's form of dementia. Me personally, I had my grandmother who passed away last year. Uh, she suffered from Alzheimer's, and I've seen firsthand the impact of this disease not only on the patient, but really uh, the people that uh, are impacted by this uh, disease and, and, and how it really takes away uh, 
from everybody, the memories, the the experiences, and, and the legacy of, of the person. So it's a really a personal mission for me, and uh, it's also a personal mission for the team at Ethera. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. And um, Dr. Thorstensen, how about you? Have you been personally touched by dementia in your family or circle of friends? Absolutely, Lori. This uh, has uh, certainly touched me personally. Both my parents actually um, uh, died from dementia. Um, and uh, uh, it looked so different in uh, each uh, uh, party. And that's uh, the confusing uh, picture here sometimes that the uh, presentation of dementia can vary so much from uh, one person to another. Um, and um, you look around beyond uh, just uh, your closest circle, and uh, uh, dementia is so common. It uh, seems to be just like uh, Lean said, that uh, uh, nobody uh, seems to not know someone close to them that has been touched by dementia. That is so true, and I really appreciate you sharing and then noting that both your parents were very different in terms of how the disease um, manifested within each of them. I think that, you know, everyone thinks it's kind of this rule book, and it just goes from A to B to C to D, and it doesn't. Um, it flips and it flops um, all over the place, and like you said, it is very um, difficult even to diagnose when the symptoms aren't all the same in, in everybody. So thank you for sharing that. Lean, I'm going to start with you, and I'm wondering if you can tell us about the investigation uh, that you're doing on the drug um, titled ATH-1017 that's currently being evaluated for clinical trials. Um, what is it and how does it work? Yeah, so at Athena we've developed a small molecule that uh, promotes a naturally occurring repair pathway in the brain that really uh, we believe can uh, repair uh, the brain cells repair connections that are lost in the brain and, and repair brain activity. Uh, we've actually captured some early data in Alzheimer's, mild to moderate Alzheimer's uh, subjects where we've seen uh, in, in a, a measurement, a significant improvement in brain uh, function. And we hope that this will translate into improvement in quality of life, uh, recovery of memory, and other functions that uh, uh, people impacted by the disease uh, might uh, suffer from. So this is very innovative and very novel compared to uh, the traditional path where people have been focused more on protein pathologies, A, beta, or tau. Here we are focused on regeneration of brain cells, recovery of connection, that we are targeting not only to slow down the disease, but also hopefully see some improvement and recovery of memory and function. Uh, currently, we are running uh, two trials here in the U.S. and globally, and we're very excited that Dr. Uh, Thorstensen is one of our prominent investigators on the trials um, and uh, has been really supportive with uh, partnership on, on these trials as well. Now, you, you also, um, I, I would like you to talk about another phase that you um, have done a 1B slash 2A studies for, for this drug. Um, 
And, you know, what's the difference between the phases? Because I think that that's something that um, the general public typically doesn't understand. Um, so drug development, there's a lot of non-clinical work that needs to happen. Then we move into clinical testing. And typically there are three phases, uh, phase one and uh, phase two and phase three. At Athira, we're really focused on efficiencies in drug development because our goal is to get treatment to patients and people who are impacted by these diseases as fast as possible. And uh, what we've done in our phase one is we included a cohort of mild to moderate Alzheimer's patients. Typically, patients are included in the phase two and three, but part of our effort to accelerate uh, our clinical development, we decided to include some patients early on and also look at brain functionality. We used a measurement that neurologists are very familiar with is T300, which really is the speed by which our brain process information. And as with people expect with aging and with dementia, our brain slows down. So they're not able to process information at the same speed as healthy brains. And we've seen with uh, eight days of treatment, recovery of this uh, measurement, basically brains, Alzheimer's brains were able to process information faster. And we collect this information through uh, a method that is very established in, in neurology. And now we are in the phase two uh, trial and another trial that's phase two, three. Uh, so again, we're trying to accelerate and merge the phase two and three together uh, in, an hope, in a hope basically to really accelerate a trial. So you, you see that we really are not following the conventional path, phase one, two, three. We're trying to build some efficiencies within our clinical development. Um, interesting. I always thought that there, you know, there were certain rules that you had to follow and you couldn't, uh, you couldn't try different things different ways, I guess. Uh, that's just me being, being uh, naive. Now, you know, with your company, you are utilizing you know, non-invasive um, biomarkers to evaluate the relationship between the ATH1017 uh, and the restoration of the, the brain network itself. Can you tell us more on how that was designed um, within the clinical trials to in, incorporate like EEGs and, and um, ERPs and maybe let our audience know what the heck those uh, acronyms even stand for because not everybody knows. And then how do these um, better, you know, give you data um, for, for your research on the patients? Yes, uh, so, um, and, and Dr. Thorstensen also can, he's an expert in the field, can also uh, add some of his feedback here. So basically it's the same, what I described, the P300 or evoked response potential is a way to measure brain waves, an EEG electroencephalogram. It's again, it's measuring brain activity, brain waves. And the way that we look at it and the way that we analyze the data, we could get an impression of the brain network health and activity with EEG. And the second part is we can look at the ability of the brain to process information. So basically there is a functional task with asking uh, patients with dementia and specifically what we looked at is mild to moderate Alzheimer's subjects to really run this task and it, it needs uh, brain processing within the memory domains 
uh, and uh, the, unfortunately with dementia and Alzheimer's, our brains slow down. But what we've seen with the treatment is there is recovery in this processing speed. Um, I don't know if anything else, Dr. Thorstensen, you wanted to add. You see a lot of programs, and if there's anything that you want to discuss that excited you to be part of these trials based on the data. Yeah, so let me uh, come back to the uh, uh, ERP, or evoked response potentials. So what uh, this uh, uh, measure does is that it actually measures brain activity. Um, it is a dynamic function of the of the brain, and uh, when you have someone with Alzheimer's disease, uh, there are a number of uh, of waves which actually show how well and uh, how fast the uh, the brain processes information. And uh, the P three hundred wave is uh, is well recognized as a, a measure of uh, uh, brain processing power. In patients with Alzheimer's disease, you can see a, a delay in uh, the uh, uh, and, and flattening of this wave, which suggests that the brain isn't working as uh, as quickly or as efficiently as you would expect, and it isn't processing information the way that uh, you would expect. And uh, you know, for all of us that know. Alzheimer's disease and other dementias, that's exactly what you're looking at on a, on a day-to-day basis. Uh, that's the clinical presentation of the uh, disease. So this is a way to um, uh, test the target engagement of a, a medication in uh, this situation, ATH-1017, and see uh, if uh, the uh, drug does what it is proposed to do. And um, based on uh, the uh, early phase data, uh, there was a a clear uh, benefit from uh, being on the uh, drug in terms of uh, the uh, uh, size and uh, uh, the speed of uh, this P300 uh, wave uh, in terms of the the latency. And um, that function uh, is independent of, uh, you know, one of the things that um, uh, always challenges us when we're working with uh, patients with Alzheimer's disease is that some days they have a good day, some days they don't have a good day, uh, whether they focus well on the uh, memory testing, uh, that can be impacted by something as simple as did they sleep well last night. So having a, a, a marker like this that is actually uh, very independent, it just shows uh, how well the, uh, the brain cells are working, uh, certainly lends a lot of validation to the um, uh, compound that you're looking at. And um, certainly this was one of the things that um, excited me about uh, uh, becoming a site, uh, what we call a site principal investigator uh, in uh, the uh, uh, Athera uh, uh, ATH-1017 study, or LIFT-AD as uh, the uh, uh, branch of the uh, study is called that uh, we're a site for. Uh, That was a novel target that has multiple uh, different downstream effects. It's different 
than uh, what you're seeing with uh, drugs that uh, just uh, uh, laser-focused target uh, beta amyloid or tau or maybe one neurotransmitter. Um, uh, this basically uh, targets a receptor complex uh, that uh, is uh, the acronym is HGF-MET. And uh, HGF-MET has multiple uh, different downstream effects. Uh, you know, it assists with survival and regeneration. There is an anti-inflammatory property. There is uh, the potential for generating uh, more connections between uh, neurons. And, uh, and uh, then in addition to that, to uh, basically uh, modulate the um, uh, glutamatergic NMDA receptors uh, to uh, uh, work in a healthier fashion. So this whole system, uh, it's been well established that it's down-regulated and increasingly so as Alzheimer's disease um, uh, progresses. And uh, therefore, uh, upregulating this uh, target and uh, seeing what uh, uh, this, uh, you know, large number of uh, downstream effects uh, brings in terms of uh, clinical impact is uh, so promising. And, um, you know, a lot of the discovery engine in um, uh, Alzheimer's disease and other dementias, and especially what I call risk-taking, um, uh, finding novel targets and uh, trying to push the envelope, happens with, uh, with small uh, kind of discovery-focused um, uh, biotech companies, often based on uh, work that has been done in academic settings or, you know, universities and medical centers for an extended period of time. So frequently there's a lot of scientific evidence base that um, uh, is uh, underlying this uh, approach. And... Um, um, that was part of what uh, uh, attracted uh, me to this uh, specific study. One other thing that I think is important uh, with this study is that uh, it aims to um, uh, recruit and help people that have established disease. What I mean by that is that patients that have clinical Alzheimer's disease in the mild and the moderate range uh, as you probably know, Lori, we've been in uh, uh, in clinical research. We've been moving to kind of uh, target our research earlier and earlier and earlier, um, you know, in in a preventative fashion for people that maybe have no evidence of disease or on uh, people that have mild cognitive impairment or very mild Alzheimer's disease. And that leaves behind this uh, uh, huge group of people, millions of people in the U.S. and tens of millions of people worldwide that are have established Alzheimer's disease, and those are the individuals that actually are, are the most uh, uh, disabled by the disease, and uh, where the uh, uh, disease burden is the highest, and the burden for caregivers is the highest. So I think it is incredibly important that we see, um, you know, research-driven uh, efforts. Uh, such as uh, uh, Thera is doing here, that that targets people with a, a within the broad spectrum of uh, clinical Alzheimer's disease. I, I agree. I agree. I, I mean, it's nice to 
look early on, and, and, but those that are in the in the grips of it right now, um, you know, they they want attention, they want support, um, they want some hope as well. So thank you for for explaining that. Um, Lean, was there anything else that you wanted to add uh, to what Dr. Uh, Thorstenson had just mentioned? I think uh, this was summarized greatly, and and it's part of the company's mission to really uh, find uh, a solution to people who are uh, at the highest need for it, which, uh, as Dr. Thorstenson highlighted, really the patients that are in the mild to moderate range uh, and have to deal with the outcome of, of the disease. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention is, in addition to the LIFT AD that uh, Dr. Thorstenson's site is part of the study, we do have an ACT AD trial that is uh, going to be looking at the P300 evoked response potential, the biomarker, non-invasive biomarker, and correlate with cognitive improvement, which hopefully this study will provide a tool uh, that will benefit everyone in the field, not only Athera. And that's another goal for us is really to help uh, build and, and advance our field uh, and, and people who uh, are developing drugs to potentially take advantage of uh, confirmation of the results that we, we are hoping to get as an outcome of the ACT-AD trial. Well, wonderful, and that that really is kind of a different approach from what we've heard from other um, other uh, organizations, where everyone kind of keeps keeps to themselves. And I know that that's been there's been a shift in that over the last just few years, though. Um, but I think that that's critical to get us to move faster and uh, and more uh, thoroughly, you know, um, through through this disease process and and you know all the different types of theories that are out there. Um, I, we may have already answered this in just our conversations, but, you know, I had down here to ask you about a theory's approach being different from other players in this space. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to, to add on that? Because uh, I, I know we made some definite differentiations, but maybe there's more. Yeah, I think just to highlight again that it's a regenerative approach. We're looking not only to slow down the disease, it's improvement. We're targeting the uh, mild to moderate uh, stages of, of the disease. And one other important component, we understand that dementia and Alzheimer's are complex diseases, and we need to address them in different ways. And with our target, we have multi-modal. So multiple things are happening that potentially can benefit uh, the patients that could uh, have a, a more significant improvement, uh, not only slowing uh, down the disease. And I just want to comment on your last point, Lori, mm-hmm. that the shift in, in the industry or the field in general of being more protective and discreet to be more collaborative. This is a very important component for Athera uh, is uh, – Really, we're focused why we do this, why we're, you know, uh, spending our days and nights with a global trial, um, because we're doing all of this for the patients. We're, we all have been impacted, and uh, this is the why for us, is we want to make sure that the whole space, not only our drug, is benefiting, and ultimately patients and people impacted by dementia and Alzheimer's are benefiting from the research and the work that we're doing. Wonderful. And I, again, I, I can't say how important that, that is. Um, 
for me just as a as a family member who you know has this in her in her gene pool here and looking around and granted I'm in the industry so I run into it so much but you know like Dr. Thorstenson said there's so many people that have been touched by this disease I mean it's almost impossible not to have a conversation with somebody who doesn't know somebody um, within their own family or circle of friends um, you know that is dealing with this so it's extremely important if the data from the clinical uh, trials for the ATH uh, 1017 continue to be positive what are the next steps in the development and in in therapy um, of of the drug Um, so so basically uh, we are we're going to be in close discussions with the regulators and the FDA uh, typically, after this stage, we might have to run one additional study, uh, but we're going to be uh, targeting, you know, to work towards a registration. Uh, we know that there has been a collaborative environment uh, overall to support innovation and approval of drugs that work differently and could have a significant impact on people with dementia and Alzheimer's. So really, we're we're doing things in parallel. That's why we're doing a phase two screen. We, we potentially can have another trial and, and start putting the package for the drug to access the market and hopefully help the a larger uh, group of people impacted by the disease. And, and that will be, I think, our ultimate goal and an amazing achievement uh, for us. Okay, great. Thank you. I'm going to um, kind of flip over to Dr. Uh, Thorstensen, and I, I'm just very interested, um, and I think our audience probably is too, if you wouldn't mind sharing maybe a little bit more of your story about, you know, your experience, you know, with your parents, um, just in terms of how long did each of them uh, live with the disease, and then, you know, your experience not only as a son, but, but as a physician in terms of dealing with this, in, you know, on a personal level. Oops. Let me see here. Okay, let's try uh, that again. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, you can hear me now? We can hear you now. Yep. Just having okay. some blimps today. Here. So, Sorry about that. So, uh, uh, Lori, I'm uh, originally from Iceland, so my uh, parents uh, lived there. And uh, I can very much identify with uh, uh, many of the caregivers that are probably on this uh, this call that aren't living close to their loved ones, and uh, the, uh, the the challenge that that brings. Thankfully, my uh, siblings uh, uh, were close uh, in terms of uh, distance, and uh, uh, I was able to. Uh, uh, you know, use the modern day technologies to um, uh, to stay involved. Um, and um, um, my dad was younger when uh, he uh, um, uh, got uh, his uh, uh, memory disease, and he had much more uh, neuropsychiatric symptoms. He had much more uh, uh, depression. Uh, some um, uh, anxiety, uh, you know, uh, worry, suspiciousness, and um, uh, that, uh, to begin with, uh, uh, seemed to be uh, uh, a bigger problem dealing with on a on a day to day basis. Um, 
But, um, um, you know, the dementia quickly, as uh, we know, is a relentless uh, disease that uh, progresses. So the uh, memory deficits, the, uh, the language problems, the impairment in logic and reasoning um, uh, pretty quickly became uh, an equally large um, uh, impairment. And, um, uh, you know, my mom was uh, healthy at the time, the best uh, we knew. And um, uh, as often, uh, you know, the primary um, uh, caregiver is uh, uh, an elderly spouse. And um, she did an amazing job. Uh, you know, this is so heartbreaking to uh, see the, uh, you know, your your lifelong partner kind of slowly and surely uh, fade away with uh, all the associated uh, distress and uh, and loss of self that uh, takes multiple years. Um, and I, I, I'm sure that the stress of uh, providing uh, care for my dad um, accelerated her own uh, course, which became apparent, uh, uh, you know, a, a couple of years after he had uh, passed. Thankfully, she didn't have any of uh, the uh, um, uh, worst neuropsychiatric symptoms, the, the depression, the, the worry, the agitation. Um, uh, she had a more of what one would maybe call a classical presentation, uh, a, a slow and steady erosion of uh, short-term memory. Um, uh, and um, uh, ultimately, uh, you know, it progressed to a point where, uh, uh, you know, she always recognized us, but um, sometimes would, uh, um, you know, in the more advanced stages, uh, not be quite sure what was our exact relationship. You know, were you a son? Were you a brother? Um, um, she worried a lot about um, her parents, uh, both whom had uh, health problems um, uh, when uh, uh, she was uh, she was younger. So, um, uh, you know, as a the, the dutiful daughter that she was, she you know wanted uh, to hear that uh, they were okay and that uh, they were doing well. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, how do you deal with that uh, when uh, they have, uh, you know, passed a long time ago? Uh, but um, sometimes you just have to kind of say, you know, they're, they're doing well, they're doing well. Uh, so I, I, I feel that um, uh, even if it was um, um, uh, uh, challenged by the distance, uh, we were able as a, as a family to come together and uh, and work together uh i had some of the expertise and could uh, guide in terms of medical management and um, and and things that uh, have uh, you know scientific evidence base uh in terms of making a difference and uh, uh how to connect with um uh with community organizations and uh, other resources um and um, uh could thus guide my brothers um, uh, and uh, their wives uh, how to uh, manage well on the on the ground and then you make regular visits to kind of uh, make sure that uh, that everything is uh, working as uh, efficiently as as possible you know it's never perfect but um, uh, we um, uh, we were able to um, um, uh, struggle through it 
mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, and, um, and, and, and we had good people around us. Wonderful. Well, it sounds like you were a very lucky family to work together. Not every family is is, is that lucky. Uh, sometimes that can be really challenging. So thank you for for sharing that with us. And 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 and, and Lori, that 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 is not that is not automatic. That's not you know absolutely. We had to work to make that uh, that happen. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, you you don't always. Just because you're the expert, you don't always have to, um, uh, or you consider yourself the expert. You don't always have to come away as, you know, the, the quote, the winner. Sometimes you need to know when you need to let uh, uh, others have their say and when you need to kind of say, okay, you know, I hear you would like to do it this way. Um, mm-hmm. Let's do it your way. But, um, you know, what would uh, signal to us uh, that maybe that's not uh, um, uh, working well? Let's, let's think about that. Uh, what would uh, uh, make us change our course? And, and to basically keep an open mind and uh, not let this uh, 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 kind of hurt lifelong relationships that you have with your your siblings and other family members it's you know that that uh, it's a tragedy enough to have the disease we're on but uh, uh, there's there's life after the uh, patient with alzheimer's disease has has passed away and uh, it, it you you can't have that the legacy that, uh, that keeps you apart but um, you know these personal experiences are also some of the drivers why um, I want to push the envelope and I want mm-hmm. to focus on new discoveries and um, because what we were able to offer my my family and my patients at that time um, is, is definitely not acceptable. We really, really have to do better than this. Uh, you know, we can't have several more generations uh, succumb to uh, to Alzheimer's disease without being able to make a, a, a meaningful difference uh, in in their uh, their care and their uh, quality of life and well being. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. Um, you know, I was going to ask you about, um, we've got only about 20 minutes left here, about other therapies in development for Alzheimer's disease. We hear so much about the amyloid and and, uh, and beta plaque and, and all of those types of things. And it, to me, I'm really excited to see and hear about these new trials that are out there that are coming from a very um, different approach. Um, do you want to touch on just some of the the other ones? And and um, again, I, I know you've already kind of stated why you're so excited about this one. Sure, you know. So 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 let's look at that. I I mean I I think the most important thing in my book right now is that there's no single solution to Alzheimer's disease or other related dementias. It's unlikely that we will come out with one treatment that works for everyone. Um, uh, Alzheimer's disease and other dementias uh, seem to be different diseases that, that come together into, uh, you know, like a, a, a final pathway that, that looks similar, but uh, yet is. And there's a brand new study this week that actually suggests that there are at least four different uh, uh, versions of Alzheimer's disease, and I'm sure that there are more of them. So uh, each patient has different things going on. 
some people may have a, a disease that is driven by, uh, you know, high amyloid burden. Um, others uh, uh, have different uh, types of uh, tau burden. Uh, the degree of neuroinflammation matters, and the degree of uh, of death of neurons, or what we call neurodegeneration, matters. And uh, in in the long run, we'll have to uh, use biomarkers. Uh, to understand better what is your personal disease like and uh, come up with uh, probably a combination treatment that uh, addresses the things that have gone askew for you uh, as an individual. This is what we refer to as personalized medicine. And uh, that's why we need many eggs in our basket, uh, and we need more than one basket. We need several baskets, and each one of them has to has, uh, have several eggs in them. That's just like what we're looking at in, uh, with high blood pressure, with uh, cancer, with diabetes. Uh, there rarely is just like a one uh, solution. And uh, you, you mentioned that um, we have um, uh, currently – uh, the drugs that are available, the symptomatic drugs, on one hand, uh, 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 help uh, activate or increase the efficiency of the cholinergic system or acetylcholine, or they stabilize the glutamatergic uh, system. Uh, so those are the two drugs that are approved. Uh, they don't change the underlying course of disease to the best of our uh, knowledge. And... Um, uh, but, you know, while their impact is modest, it's meaningful. In clinical trials, we have a number of different things. So a number of drugs that target beta amyloid, and beta amyloid uh, um, uh, certainly is an important part of Alzheimer's disease, but uh, uh, how to target it and at what stage of the disease has uh, kind of eluded us uh, a little bit. We're trying to understand the same about the uh, uh, tau and uh, interventions that target the tau tangles, which is the other hallmark of uh, Alzheimer's disease. We're increasingly seeing um, uh, studies that uh, go after neuroinflammation uh, and um, uh, furthermore studies that go after oxidative stress and metabolism. And uh, then you have studies like uh, the Athera study that uh, uh, I call multimodal. Uh, that is, you you target a, um, a, a kind of a, a key um, a point in the um, uh, in in the process uh, in the disease process, and also in uh, the uh, physiological process that that creates a certain balance in the uh, in the brain, and and that's why, for example, we're pretty excited about the uh, HGF-MET um, uh, pathway. Um, and uh, one thing that uh, I think will be important is uh, the new. Uh, medications that we may bring to uh, uh, patients, hopefully in the not-too-distant uh, future. Uh, can they work together? Is the, is the medication safe? Is it well-tolerated? Uh, are there no uh, uh, bad drug-drug interactions? So that uh, you can uh, be ready for the combination treatments that I think will be the standard uh, approach five to ten years from now. 
Okay. You know, one of the things that, that I've always wondered, and I, I've never asked this question, but, you know, has there ever been any discussion on combining not just medications, but social, like a social engagement tool like music? You know, music has been known to, you know, connect people, get the brain to be a little bit more active in different ways and, and have a layover effect and stuff. Um, has that ever been discussed? Um, and I'm going to ask uh, you that, uh, Dr. Thorstenson, and then also Lean, because I just I, I hear people talking about why can't they work together on this? Because some of the, the social things that people do, they feel like they um, really help with the barriers that, that Alzheimer's and, and various types of dementia uh, bring to the table, you know, that they really help cut sure. that back. So what are your thoughts on that? And then I'll go to lean on that. Yeah. So, so Lori, you, you, you're absolutely right that, um, uh, you know, I make those recommendations to all of my patients that they need to focus on uh, lifestyle. They need to focus on diet. They need to focus on exercise, cognitive stimulation, social interaction, and, and all the tools that, uh, that help with that. We would hope that um, um, uh, every person uh, that uh, uh, is battling Alzheimer's disease uh, makes uh, these adjustments in, uh, in, in their lives and uh, are helped to do that by uh, uh, their families and, and, and resources in, uh, the, uh, in the community. Uh, there are some studies um, that um, uh, have focused historically on uh, diet and lifestyle, like the finger study. And mm -hmm. uh, there is a version of the thinker study that uh, is uh, launching in the not-too-distant future that will have a, a, a medication along with it. The important thing, though, is that we're still at the early discovery stage. And uh, the Food and Drug Administration, as well as other regulatory bodies around the world, want treatments to stand on their own. So initially, you have to show that, for example, ATH 1017 can work on its own. And then, uh, you know, you can uh, gun for combinations, and that could be uh, this medication along with uh, lifestyle modifications or exercise, or this medication with other medications. But uh, in uh, this stage of uh, development, for example, that Athera is uh, uh, looking at, the expectation by a regulatory body like the FDA is that it uh, uh, can stand on its own, and they have to design the studies and execute the studies uh, uh, according to extremely uh, uh, strict criteria. Um, so that uh, the FDA knows that the data that is uh, submitted for regulatory approval is, um, you know, has a high degree of fidelity, and um, and 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 this is complex and it's challenging and it takes a, a lot of effort by everyone involved. It takes effort by the uh, by the companies. 
that um, are sponsoring the studies, the companies that run and oversee the studies, what we call the clinical research organizations, by all the sites and the staff at all the sites, as well as the patients and the uh, study partners that they that they have. But sure. um, um, it, it is important to highlight that um, um, that music. There, there's something unique about music. I've seen that so often. Uh, exercise, uh, thoughtful attention to diet, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the, these are low-risk uh, changes that you can make uh, that uh, uh, yield uh, benefits. I, I do believe that uh, they uh, have an impact on the disease course, and they certainly can have an impact on, uh, you know, a person's quality of life, as well as the uh, caregiver's quality of life. Sure, sure. I'm going to just pull Lean in and see if she had a quick comment on that, because I want to make sure that we talk about uh, the eligibility for the study and so forth, too. Lean, any comments that you wanted to add to kind of mixing uh, drugs and, and lifestyle things like music and arts and exercise in the future? Yes, yes. So thank you for this comment, and uh, I, I want to answer it in a different way. Uh, I do think that these type of uh, stimulation, whether it's music, exercise, uh, social engagement, are important to help us uh, manage uh, uh, the, the patients. But I also want to highlight the caregivers. Uh, there's a lot of caregivers that have uh, uh, been struggling, especially during the pandemic. Uh, they've uh, went through social isolation. And for us, when we are running our trials, we actually look at both the patient and the caregiver and think about ways to support them. Even during the design phases of the trial, we had caregivers and patients that were partners with us to uh, develop a study that could uh, uh, help address their needs, even during the trial. And one thing that we've done at Athera, especially as we started talking to uh, the caregivers, uh, there has been a social isolation. This is a pandemic and the unusual times that we're living in. And what we did in our trial is uh, we actually added uh, a support call line uh, for uh, the, the caregivers. It's an optional service for the sites and, and the patients. We're really providing a study companion for the caregiver, someone who could uh, talk to the patient, give them guidance around how to use the medication, and, and just be a support person and, and a call that they expect and they could engage socially with this uh, partner or on, on the study. This is important because this is a, a, a disease that doesn't impact one person. It really impacts a, a, a tribe around this person. and we shouldn't forget about the caregivers that are really important to have a healthy social life to tolerate, you know, the, the impact of, of and the changes in their life, as well as to be the best partner they could for um, um, their, their husband, wife, parents, you know, uh, sister, brother. And that's what we're trying to achieve is like think about how does this, impact the unit and how can we help uh, the caregiver and the patient. Wonderful. Nice uh, nice differentiation from what is happening, I think, with 
between you and, and other clinical trials out there. Uh, Dr. Uh, Thorstensen, I want to ask you about the LIFT study. You know, if you can tell us who is ad- ad- uh, eligible and, you know, what does that screening process look like, um, the, the treatment regime itself that they participate in, and, and um, just, you know, how you're, how you're going to measure things. Absolutely. So, so we're looking for people that, um, uh, if you look at the big picture, that have mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease. So clinically diagnosed mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease. Um, the MMSE range um, uh, is from 14 to 24. And um, um, the age is 55 to 85 years uh, old. Um, they have to have a study partner. Uh, that um, has a, a meaningful uh, interaction uh, with them on a you know on on a daily slash weekly basis. Um, they uh, don't have to be on other treatment, but uh, they are allowed to be on a cholinesterase inhibitor. That's the nepisil, rivastigmine, and uh, galantamine. But uh, because of uh, the proposed uh, mechanism of action that one of the um, uh, uh, possible mechanisms of uh, action for ATH 1017 is that uh, 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 it may have an impact on the glutamatergic NMDA receptor. Um, uh, While we're answering exactly what this drug does, that uh, memantine or nementa is is not allowed as a a, a concomitant uh, treatment. You can be on cholinesterase inhibitor or not on uh, on treatment. Um, uh, Obviously, we don't want um, uh, people that don't have uh, Alzheimer's disease as the cause of their dementia, because that would uh, mean that we're introducing noise to the uh, to the study if people don't actually have the condition that we're trying to uh, treat. And uh, you know, we want them to, in general, be in uh, in good health and not have any major medical problems that uh, would uh, uh, confound the study or not make it uh, safe for them to, um, uh, to be in the study. Uh, so um, basically you come in for, uh, you, you reach out to uh, a local site and um, uh, you're, uh, they will probably ask you some information about your general health and uh, treat, uh, treatment and uh, when you were diagnosed, uh, et cetera. Uh, then uh, they will set up a screening visit, uh, talk to you about the study, and make sure that uh, you ha- have enough uh, information that uh, you can make an informed decision whether you want to participate or not. And the same goes for the uh, for the study partner or what we call sometimes legally authorized representative who may need to provide uh, agreement for the uh, uh, patient to be in the study as well. And um, uh, then you uh, confirm the history, you do uh, uh, memory testing, you uh, look at their functional abilities, uh, you do a physical and neurological exam, you do uh, an EKG, you draw blood, and um, uh, to, to make sure that uh, you and the study are a good fit. 
that um, uh, if you participate in the study, that it's a, a good idea for you and that uh, you're also uh, someone that the study can get uh, uh, good information from in order to establish is this medication um, uh, safe, well tolerated, and effective, and can it be made available to millions of people all over the world? Okay. Um, if um, you know, and and then you come back uh, once we have all the results from that, and um, and you come for a if everything looks good, you come for a baseline visit uh, where you are randomized. Uh, this is a double-blind placebo-controlled study, so um, some of the people are on uh, a drug and some of them are on placebo. There are two doses. There's a a, a low dose and a, a high dose. Uh, of uh, ATH-1017, um, and uh, the the assignment happens absolutely by chance, uh, and uh, uh, nobody at the site knows whether you get the real drug or the um, uh, inactive drug, and you don't know that either until well after the study is over. So it's a 26-week study. Um, uh, with uh, an extension uh, uh, phase, uh, and uh, basically we want to show over 26 weeks whether those that are on drug have better cognition, better functional abilities, and whether a clinician can uh, recognize that uh, those on, uh, you know, are those on drug? Do they look better? Do they clinically seem better than those that got the uh, inactive drug? And is there a difference between those that get the lower dose and those that get the higher dose? So a very standard um, uh, study design. Um, and uh, uh, basically, you come over the 26 weeks, you come regularly to the site um, uh, to, um, um, you know, re receive uh, your supply of, uh, of medicine uh, to make sure that everything's going well and for us to do all the clinical assessments that uh, uh, make us able to, uh, um, you know, collect the data to show that the drug is uh, is safe uh, and sure. effective, and oh. uh, um, and and deserves to uh, be uh, uh, you know uh, available on the market. Okay, so you're looking at about six and a half months then um, of being part of this part of this trial, and you do have to come in in person to meet um, and things. And now people can um, go to the website, and that is Athera clinicaltrials.com, or you can call for the um, study uh, participation as well. In the U.S., that's 800-668-4714, and in, the U, uh, in Australia, I take it back, Australia, it's 800-043-212. Uh, um, and I said that wrong. It's actually 1800 in Australia, 043212. But again, you can get all that information by going to the site, which we have listed below. I want to thank you both so much for um, taking the time with us today. This was really interesting, and uh, we are really hoping uh, to hear positive results. We'd love to have you come back and tell us the outcome. Um, 
if that uh, if that is possible. Lean, is that something that would be of interest? Yes, of course. And okay. yeah, all of the information that we covered is on com, and through the numbers that you described, Lori, participants can call in and before they go to any site and, and determine if they potentially would be eligible and if this is a good study for them. Wonderful. Well, thank you again both so much for participating in our show today. I hope our listeners will like and uh, click and share this, this uh, episode with others. I think it's a very important uh, study, and I'm going to be personally very anxious to hear the results of this. I think it's fascinating. So um, it always gives us hope when we hear about these trials. So take care, everyone. Uh, You can also check out alzheimerspeaks.com for more information. Bye now.